of against witchcraft. Silver always is. And it represents a very large coin. It represents your money growing. And I remember I mentioned getting a purse as a gift. The purse would have a Morgan dollar in it if it came from my grandmother, Ida. Uh, and she really liked to give those Morgan dollars. And so this other guy, this coin dealer, told me the same thing in his family. And yet we grew up in entirely different places, just two different Ashkenazi Jewish families. And sometimes, you know, when you get something like that, now I've got to go and ask every Jewish person I meet, did your grandmother give you Morgan dollars? So I already asked a few, and they all said no. But all of them were younger than us. So maybe it's a a pattern or habit that's died out. But there was a magical component to it, for sure. The idea that this would be the start of your life savings with these Morgan dollars. Did that ever happen to any of you guys in your lives, being given a a certain kind of numismatic coin? We had a family tradition that was with my uncles where the, um, the, the sibling who had the first child was given a collection of rare coins. Um, but this was something that was passed down through the family, and it's not necessarily the same. I know there are some of those coins. There are some very rare coins in there, but it was a very competitive thing between my mom and my um, her brother, where whose child was born first, and it was my brother who inherited those uh, coins. So kind of similar. Oh, interesting. That is, see, but that represents the family wealth in a magical way. It's in a compressed way. It isn't literally the family wealth. It's the, you know, the the emblem of the family wealth. That's that's so interesting. Um, another thing that I remember from my family were these customs that we've all heard about. When you get married, you know, something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue. That all is ma- that's a magical thing, and you can tell it's magical because in English it rhymes, and all the English people make those spells that rhyme. So, Angela Marie, were there anything, any wedding customs or, or things that were passed down to you? Um, there was not for me. Um, my, my mother. Uh, one of the things that my grandmother had said was that um, passing that she wanted to give my aunt Donna, her wedding dress when my aunt, when my aunt got married, but my aunt and my grandmother were two, you know, very different sizes. My grandmother's this tiny little twig of a lady. And, you know, my auntie, while not being heavy set, was still bigger than her. So she couldn't pass on the dress and she was bemoaning that. So uh, Hmm. my mom I don't know if she if this was a tradition for them or not, but my mother, being the middle sister, made my aunt's dress, and she made it by hand. She oh. did measurements. She did it without a pattern. She hand she hand stitched the beads and the and the roses and everything. And um, she wouldn't explain to me why she put a certain number of roses on it or anything. But I think it correlated with my aunt's age. And if you go by that, then that's more of a, a traditional magic thing than anything else. Not that it was explained, but it was very mm-hmm. nice. It was a beautiful dress. Yeah. See, those those kinds of things that go down through the family like that around clothes 
are harder to maintain, although the magic of the of the dress obviously is is inherent in the hand making of it but things like um statuary or uh a crystal collection um things like that last from generation to generation and yeah. um that's just something that you can always pass on. You'd be surprised how many people I meet who come into the shop and ask me, why did my XYZ, why did my mother-in-law, why did my uncle, why did my great aunt give me amethyst? (laughs) Why did they give me amethyst? And Mm -hmm. and I have to explain to them that amethyst is used against poison, amethyst is protective, and amethyst is a super valuable, magical crystal. It's so interesting because we sell amethysts in our shop and people go, oh, I have one of these and my, and they just named some relative, my blah, blah, blah relative gave me this and said, always keep this amethyst. And they don't Mm -hmm. know why. They just know it was given to them. And so stones last very long time. And if you want to pass things on to your nephews and nieces who you might only see once a year, it's always good. Give them amethyst when they go to look it up. Then they'll find out that there was something magical there, and they may be stimulated. It's almost kind of like this little delayed, you know, fuse reaction. You know, it's like, ooh, they gave me amethyst. What does it mean, right? So I, I consider amethyst the entry level magical crystal. Everybody has it, and uh, it's really odd. And people come into my shop. I have, you know, my 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 niece just had a child, and I need to have an amethyst you know, crystal cluster to give to the child. It's like, okay, then. Very strange. Some of them don't even know why they're doing it. (laughs) Oh, I think they do. They would be coming to Lucky Mojo if they didn't have some idea. They could have just gone to a rock shop. But but, But the idea that amethyst of all the stones is passed along in families, I don't know. Have you ever noticed that, you guys, in your travels that so many people will say they have an amethyst yeah clear quartz too clear quartz yeah that's true rose quartz also we have a tradition where um the women had a ring of opal and so there's these rings of opals have been passed down through my grandmas and always onto the daughters um though i do have my grandma's because um, my mom has passed, but I have my grandma's opal ring. And it was just a tradition that they always had this opal ring, and, um, you know, they're beautiful, but never really thought about until today why. <laughs> but it's definitely got me thinking mm-hmm. about it and I look more into why that was a tradition. Well, opals are very magical, you know. Smoky quartz and petrified wood. Wow. And of course, in Asia, it's jade. You know, um, pieces of jade are. Yeah, and cinnabar, yeah. right? But you know, there are pieces of jade that are passed down from generation to generation, and these are often carved in good luck forms. You know, they're not just uh, artistically carved jade, but they might have um, 
symbols on them that stand for good fortune and so forth. I work with a woman yeah. who's from born and raised and grew up in China, and we're good friends. And she tells me all the time that she needs to buy me a good jade stone to wear. And she tells me because it's for good luck and I need to have that on me and protection, she says. So mm-hmm. she's been looking for the right one for me, as she tells me. So we'll mm-hmm. see when she gets them. Yeah. See, and the funny thing is when you talk to people about this stuff, they say, oh, I don't do magic. I just get you a good piece of jade because you have to have one. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? It's this mm-hmm. oddity about that. There's other things that are passed down, and usually when they've been passed down a long time, they're labeled superstition rather than magic, like blowing the little poofs off a dandelion to make a wish, right? Um, that's very common European and Eastern European. You'll even find old postcards from the postcard craze era of 1905 to 1915 and it'll show some pretty young woman poof blowing on a dandelion or it'll be picking the petals off a daisy uh you know he loves me he loves me not this was so common at that time that it was the subject for sort of pinup girl postcards but and i learned those things as a kid from my european descended friends. We didn't have that in my family. But that's another way that families pass down magic is at school. I learned so much about hoodoo at school. I learned about uh, Cantonese, Chinese spirit money at school. And I went to a school that had people from a lot of different cultures, obviously. And um, we there were... Um, Mexican things I learned, and Japanese. And so that to me was a another way to learn about the magic of other people's families. Well, that was sort of interesting because what I later found out was that some of the people's children who are my age didn't want to learn it. And so these grandparents were looking for anybody, and I was a good surrogate. They would tell me the magic of their family because their own kids and grandkids didn't care. So always become that helpful, friendly, inquisitive school child that still resides within you and ask the older people, well, what does this mean? What do you, why do you do that? You might not find everybody has some deep secret, but you may find a few that are really uh, amazing and um, be prepared, take notes, you know. Another way that people pass down magic is through food. There are lucky foods, and we all know what some of them are. Did your family have New Year's um, black-eyed peas, Angela? Yep. They would do the the New Year's black-eyed peas and collard greens. Um, And, and, you know, it was always, you know, oh, you have to eat them. You have to. I don't like it. You have to eat it. (laughs) <laughs> they would always put the they'd always put the okra in the uh black eyed peas and I detest okra with a passion and they'd always force me to eat that. <laughs> but see early, earlier you said there wasn't much in your family and yet that is you know, strictly <laughs> African Yeah. There isn't much that is oh, this is a family tradition that is 
magical use for this, that, or the other. We had absolutely nothing like that. But we did, but it was, oh, you know, you're going to make the the collard greens and black-eyed peas on New Year's. You're going to do this, that, and the other on Fourth of July. You're going to, you know, whatever. But there is no, this is why our family does this. This is the tradition of why the, this happened there. Um, there was a big fight that my uh, that I remember my grandma was talking about with one of her sisters because um, there was some I can't think it was a, a, a not a crucifix a rosary that that their either their grandmother great grandmother had or something and the girls were fighting over it. there's like there's like six girls. And the girls were fighting over it because the oldest didn't want it. And it was traditionally to go to the oldest and she didn't want it. So, cause she ain't no blasted Catholic or whatever. And it was just this whole big thing. And after learning magic, I'm thinking, why would you be fighting over something, whether or not it was Catholic? You guys mm-hmm. aren't really Catholic. If you think about it, <laughs> you know, I, said, right. I didn't say anything because I didn't want to get in trouble. But, you know, and then there was the whole, um, the whole, you know, we, we put kids in the corner, you know, as quote unquote time out. But, um, one of the things I learned in a book was that one of the reasons you put kids in the corner is so that, you know, when they're, when they're bad or misbehaving, whatever spirit that caused them to misbehave can't find them. Huh. Oh, that's a new one on me. Yeah, I, going I going back to food, see, in my in mm-hmm. my family, we had a particular recipe for honey cake that we always oh. ate at at the Jewish New Year, and the idea it it had coffee in it as part of the liquid to make the batter for the cake, and um, it's not a cake; it's more like a loaf. The texture is yeah. more like a oh, you know, like banana bread or something like that. It's a thick texture or carrot cake, honey cake it's called. And and the honey is to make your New Year sweet. And mm-hmm. the um, it had the coffee to keep you awake and alert for the New Year. Mm-hmm. And, of course, there were a lot of those kinds of traditional foods. And, again, once you start taking them apart and looking at them magically, you realize there's a, a whole world of magical foods that are being passed on that people say, well, my family had no magic. But then you're going, but why were they eating this particular food on this day? Is it just tradition or is there a magical use for it? And if you look up the meanings of the herbs or the seeds or nuts or whatever's in the food, you'll quickly find out where the magic lies. We did a whole book on this called Hoodoo Food. And if you all don't have it, you all ought to think about getting it. But it's all about how to make magical foods, including uh, traditional foods for uh, different holidays and for different purposes. Uh, Did you have traditional foods, J.D.? Yes, we did. It's funny that we're all talking about cornbread because one of the ones um, that was very common in my family, and I'm actually the one who still makes it for the family every year, is that we always had cornbread on New Year's. Um, We would make it with honey, cinnamon, nutmeg, butter, pinch of salt, above other things. Um, And it was very, very sweet. And I have friends who tell me that in the North, I guess that's called a Johnny cake. Um, I've never really been able to 
prove that, but in New York, where I'm from, is that this is something that we made every year on New Year's. Um, and I still make it to this day. Another one, um, slightly different, but we always had angel wings for Easter. And we've always had a red egg for Easter as well. And I know that definitely comes from the Mediterranean um, through my our Greeks, but these were things that were always just part of the family tradition. But I, I find it interesting, like so many of us all have, though we're from, you know, Jewish, we're African-American, we're Italian, like that we all have this same cornbread connection, you know, from different parts of the country and how it's obviously um, imprinted through culture across the country and throughout the years. Is there any other holidays that you, any of you have special food for? I know, like I said, I talked about angel wings. That is a, um, it, it's a Polish, but in New York, we call them angel wings. So it was a very traditional item that we would eat every Easter. Uh, and those of you who don't know about the Greek red egg is that the, the egg was often dyed with um, something like beet juice or something natural like that. And the egg was the first egg that was dyed and it was kept as a form of protection and blessing for the family. And there are some who keep the egg outside of their house for protection for the year and replace it every year. There's others who um, they exchange the red egg or there's, there's different things you can do with the red egg, but you know, that's one of the folk traditions that goes with it is by keeping that red egg that's supposed to represent the blood of Christ is that um, it protects you in, in your home. So some more holiday fun. Thanks, J.D. I, I just got back in again. I got booted out. And everybody in the chat is saying, I got booted out. I got booted out. I don't know what's going on. Uh, Phyllis says, welcome back. Thanks. Um, we got problems here, I'll tell you, with um, with BTR, but we're doing the best we can. I hope this show is being recorded. Shiva is not hopeful, so we'll see. Um, Cousin Joshua says we're making the most of it. Yeah, hang in there. So, um, well, let's go back to the idea of family traditions having to do with death. This is another thing that I find a lot varies from family to family. I've, I've met people who tell me that in their family, you never say the name of anyone who's dead. Whether you loved them or not, you just never say their name again. I've met other families in which people have virtual shrines to their memorialized dead, you know, with photos and, and everything. And this varies from culture to culture, but also from family to family. And when you start talking about families that never mention the dead, these are families who will easily break their folk magic because they have no connection. Whereas families that keep a memorial to the dead are much more likely to also pass along their folk magic. So every tradition begins with you, whoever you are, on the day that you hear this show. So you might want to think about do you want to set up an altar to contact your ancestors? 
It's very easy now if you get DNA testing. You'll even know where those ancestors came from. In some cases, you'll be able to go visit those places, bring back some soil from where they lived. And there's more opportunities now for us to stay in contact with our ancestors than ever before, not just through psychic means, but through actual physical contact. So that's something to consider. I've made it a point to try to find photos of my ancestors and paint, you know, paintings. Some of them had paintings made of themselves. And uh, keep them around and um, ask their help. Talk to them. You know, even though I might never have met them, often they will show up with a little piece of information for me. And that's always lovely. Um, Miss Cat, you remind me of um, a woman I used to work with who was uh, born and raised in Detroit. She was an African-American woman. And one time when I was talking with her about some of her family traditions, she told me that you never place the living with the dead. So in her family, the the living would be on one side of like of a wall and the dead would be on the other and you never crossed them over because doing so would wish death on the person who was living. So you just kind of reminded me of that. Yeah, I've heard that and I've heard the opposite, which is that the dead will watch over the living. This is the same thing like the horseshoe. Is it up or is it down? If the horseshoe points down, it protects you from witches. If the horseshoe points up, the luck will fall into the cup and stay there. And for almost for every folk magical belief, you can find an opposite belief. Not everyone, but there are an awful lot of them that have the opposite belief. Um, Hadassah 1965 says, I just cannot hear you on the phone. BTR music is playing. What do I do to hear you speak to me? Um, Annie BG, should I hang up and dial back? I've got her covered. Um, Oh, and um, okay, Lucky Mojo says, I'll make you live again. Did that work? And Hadassah says, thank you. There you go. She'll be our client today, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, this is really strange what's going on. I'm going to tell you I I went back and looked at that Uranus and Taurus predictions that I made when Uranus went into Taurus. Among other things, I predicted that during this Uranus and Taurus, we would see an increase in artificial intelligence usage, and also we would have a lot of um, electronic meltdowns. <laughs> and we're having both. So we just do the best we can um, with what we got. Well, say one more thing about family traditions of magic. While the elders in your family are still alive, unless you're the oldest person in your family listening now, there's going to be someone in your family who's older. Reach out to them and ask them. Don't scare them by saying, oh, were there any witches in the family or did we practice magic in the family? Don't Don't do that. Ask them about, were there any omens? Were there any superstitions? And then you can be prepared to kind of prime the pump. If you know their culture, you can throw out a couple of common ones from their culture. You know, like, oh, did you think that seeing a black cat was bad luck? Or, you know, did you ever walk under a ladder? Things like that. 
And they'll tell you if they did or not. But if you get them started, they'll keep going. And you'll find out an awful lot about who your family were, what they believed, and write it down or record it. And by all means, if you have access to putting things like this on the World Wide Web, do so. Because until we have another solar flare and uh, another Carrington event, we'll all be able to read it on the Internet. You might want to put it in a piece of paper, too. So um, Phyllis says, I tried bringing it up with my aunt, and she would not budge. Her father removed a wart from my leg when I was about five. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I had a, a, a little friend in school, my best friend, and I never got warts. But she got them a lot. And she had a stepfather who had a million ways to take warts off. He came from a family that were real wart curers. And he'd always cure his stepdaughter's warts. Her own mother didn't know how, or her father, who was absent. But her stepfather came from Oklahoma, and this man knew six ways to cure warts. And I wrote them all down because <laughs> I was fascinated. Um, and, you know, that's the other thing. I always tell people, you too can become a folklorist. You know, we don't have to rely on Harry Middleton Hyatt. <laughs> you know, you be your own folklorist. Find out what what people's magic consists of. And ask them. Ask them about it. Now, there is another way, like I mentioned before, which is to actually invoke these ancestors and say, come to me in a dream and tell me something. Or if I present a problem to you, will you give me a way forward? And many times these ancestral spirits will answer. Not everybody has that gift to hear them, but they always have the gift to speak if you would hear them. So you don't have to follow any one culture's way of honoring the dead, whether with a candlelight or with a food offering. But whatever you do, make it so that the ancestors are aware of you and will help you. And you may find many, many things. And what you may find interesting is when you start reading books on these different systems of folk lore or folk magic from different cultures, you may find that the information you've been given is in accordance with these older uh, systems and that you were being tell, told true, that something came through the ether, something came true across the veil, and you did get a reply. All right. I just have to make one little comment. What Reverend James says about burying certain things under the eaves of the house where the water runs off when it raves, that was one of Earl Funch's fabulous ways to get rid of warts. <laughs> you rub the wart on a potato and you bury the potato under the eaves of the house. Um, I will never forget Earl Funch and his hundred wart remedies. All right, let's turn this over to Reverend James, and we're going to take our first and only client.
Yes, I am. Finally. Thank you. Uh, you know, I don't know if I had a reading on this situation, but I know I spoke to you guys about maybe, it could have been like maybe five or six years ago when things started to get really ugly and then I, I never had a follow-up. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if this situation is going for a lot. Thank you. All right. Well, welcome to the show, and thank you for letting us read for you today. So I did a. I'm using the Rider Waite Tarot, and the first card I pulled okay. is the Sun, is a card of success. Um, so I do believe you'll be successful, and that you will ultimately be able to um, have this house ready and ultimately win over your siblings. Now, I wanted to look more into the situation and what's going on, particularly with your family and these um, family members. So I pulled the Page of Swords, and as a clarifying card, I pulled the um, the Devil card followed by the Moon. So the first thing I see is that you are one of the challenges you are facing is with a younger male in your family, who is um, probably a very like you as mentioned um, more. Selfish, self-centered, um, has mental illness, and is also kind of on the evil end, who is challenging you for your family and for what is rightly, you know, yours now that you've done the work. The second clarifying card I got was the Seven of Wands, which is a, a card of someone who is defending their position against those who are below them and, and really fighting them off in a battle. And this represents really, to me, you defending yourself and your family against the family particularly i pulled the knight of cups and so this tells me that this again also is another male family member that you are fighting with so the first thing i see is that despite that you will be successful in the long run that you are going to be having a fight that particularly pertains to two of the males involved the last card i pulled was the ace of cups and the clarifier i pulled was the justice card and for this to me is a new beginning, a new success, a new opening. And with the justice card being next to that, this tells me that this may actually go through the court system in order for you to ultimately win and be successful. How about you, Miss Kat? Um, well, no, I think Angela's going to be our Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Is Angela there? I'm trying to be. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Okay, mm-hmm. my phone or whatever has been just going eight. 
All right, so howdy. It's nice. It's, Hello. Uh, it's nice to hear from you, but it's terrible to hear about your situation. It's always, it always sucks when you have to fight with family. So I, I pulled three cards. That. Yeah, right? I pulled three cards, and uh, I am using my Ravenloft deck. Um, it's an oracle deck, basically. So the first card I get is the Dark Lord. And the Dark Lord is one evil, twisted person with uh, with uh, evil designs against someone else. So this person is more interested in you fixing up the house and selling it than you trying to live in it yourself. And they are going mm-hmm. to do anything in their power to just drive you out of money so that you wouldn't be able to keep it. Um, I would say mm-hmm. throw up some protections around that. Uh, maybe even talk to a good lawyer. Uh, the second card comes up with the hooded man. And this one is not sure if somebody's friend or foe. So in the case of family, that's mm-hmm. a family member who, you know, kind of does the, oh, no, I'm with you. It's a-okay. You got this. And the, the whole time they're hoping for your demise. Um, mm-hmm. The last one is the wizard, and this is magic. So there is magic behind the scenes. The wizard means mm-hmm. uh, taking someone's power and using it for yourself. So it also means hidden magic and things to be discovered. So this, the, so somebody is has called on someone to do some spell work for them to, you know, help destroy you in this. Just remember to talk to your ancestors about this. You know, your mom is now your ancestor because she passed on. Your uncle is now an ancestor because he passed on. And, you know, and have them help you out with this because Mm -hmm. you are justified in what you're doing, but the person casting against you is not justified. No matter how much money they think they need, no matter how much they think the wealth should be spread around, their work is unjustified. So it will not be successful, but you will have to fight against what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Do you have any comments? I, 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 I look at that. Have, have you mm. seen that? Has, have you heard? Have you been told somebody's been working against you? I, I know they have all these years. You know. And, and normally when, when the attacks really come, that's when I have to dig deep and, you know, practice some of the things that my mother told me as far as trying to, you know, clean and, you know, uh, burn frankincense or myrrh or try to put up a protective barrier because I know when I'm under attack. It's, it's just so unfortunate that these are, I mean, these are talking about my older brother and sister and a younger brother. Like, I know when you speak of them, I, I, I'm seeing who they are in my spirit. But yeah. for a long time, I just couldn't understand why did they do this to me and my family. I just couldn't understand it. And if I didn't step in, everything would have been gone. Everything. Mm-hmm. And my parents worked very hard, but I'm standing on their legacy. I'm a beach off of my ancestors. I just want to know what I need to do now to protect yeah. 
my family. Well, I'm sure Mrs. Cat can help you with that part. So it's all yours, yeah, Mrs. Cat. Okay. <laughs> Well, what, I, what I'm hearing, uh, both J.D. and Angela said, you're not exaggerating. There's something really mm-hmm. bad going on. Um, mm-hmm. The uh, the reading from J.D. had the devil in it and the moon. Mm-hmm. Um, those are those are wicked people. The devil is always going to be wicked people. And the moon is people who are confused and often trying to confuse you. So... Mm-hmm. There's a there's some difficulties here, so I'm going to give you some ideas for some root work. Now I I got cut off and got bumped out of the show, and I'm back again, so I wasn't quite sure. This involves a specific house that you want to restore. Is that correct? It's a real building. Yes, it's my mother's house. All and right. I'm, I, and and they're I'm all trying to get a hold of it. Now. Yeah, are they trying to get a hold of it and sell it? Is that the idea? Yeah. They they sold they sold two other homes, kept everything, blocked me out, and I had to go like seven years back and forth to court. Ironically, I've been the only person paying money since my mother died, and they've been reaching up on my mother's estate, and they plundered everything. So the one thing that's left left my mother's house and some land. You know, I've been advised right. by my attorney to sell the land and then just come back to court. To get the house. Okay. But I'm the only person that's been paying money. All right. I'm going to ask a. Paid out no money. Okay. I'm going to ask a couple of questions because there's a there's a many a way to do root work, but I'm going to try to okay. find something that will work with you. Was your okay. mother buried or was she cremated? She was buried. Good. That's always the better. I tell everybody. Bury your relatives. Don't cremate them because don't come crying to me yeah, later. <laughs> don't come crying to me later. I can't find their grave. Right. right. So so she's been buried. And there is the house. That is property. What I'd like you to do is start by building a connection, what I call bringing her home. So mm-hmm. you can um, go to her graveyard and speak to her and say, you know, mother, and you can call her by her name, of course, uh, but you're going to say, mother, I need your help to get this house fixed down for me, for us, and don't let me lose it. And you're going to take dirt from the four corners of her grave plot, and you can take some from over her heart, which would make a fifth spot, like in the center. And you can put a coin down in every hole that you dig and say, this is to, you know, make sure that I pay you for for your services and that you know I'm very serious about this. Now you have these four pieces of dirt uh, and a fifth one. Don't get them all mixed up together in one pile. You don't have to. You can keep them separate. Some people mix them up and then redivide them. I'm just a little too neat to do that. Now you're going to go back to the property, and you're going to um, put those down, but you're going to put them down with a railroad spike. Um, When you use a railroad spike to to spike down some land, to drive down the land to stay stable, you just hammer this railroad spike into the ground. But you want to maybe, you know, dig a little starter hole or maybe with a, pry bar or something like that and then you're going to drive that thing down in it but you're also going to put some of that dirt from her grave 
and you're going to say, mm-hmm. Mother, now watch the south corner of the property or whatever it is. If the house doesn't have a lot of property, then just do it right around the house. But if you can, do it at the corners of the property. The fifth one. Yeah, they, the fifth it does have little property. I'm sorry. Good. All right. It has, okay. Yeah. So you say, I'm inviting you to come back to the home and protect it. Mm-hmm. You see, and you call her name, you know, grandmother so and so, come back to the home and protect it. And that and don't let them drive me away because I've staked this place down. Now, mm-hmm. another thing you can do is put a coin on top of the railroad spike. People will often use an Indian head penny, uh, with a Native American on it. It's called a scout or lookout. Let let me know if someone is gonna cause trouble. But you want to put mm-hmm. that graveyard dirt there the one that goes at the center you're going to take to the center of the house now there are many ways to do this if there's a crawl space under the house or a basement people will often put it in that area and if there is nothing of that nature you would just take it into the house fold it up in a piece of paper and duct tape it under a piece of furniture or under the rug where near to the center of the house because that's the heartbeat of the house that's her heart you see now some people say well my grandmother or my mother was a cook so i'm going to put it in in the kitchen and others will say well my grandmother spent most of her time in her later years sitting on the couch so i'm going to put it between the cushions of the couch but wherever you put that last little piece of dirt know that you created a little place for her now some people say well i'm not going to put it under the mattress or in the basement i'm going to make an actual little shrine for her so they might take a mantelpiece or a shelf and put her picture up and if you have a picture of her standing in front of the house so much the better and then you can say all right here you are in front of the house and you put that graveyard dirt in just a little container you don't need to add any herbs or anything to it. It's just potent and vital in and of itself. And uh, I like to use a container that's made of something natural, not plastic. So I might use a little carved wooden little miniature pot with a little lid on it. Uh, They're turned out, you know, lace turned out of wood. But whatever you've got, put that dirt in there. Don't be putting it in a plastic Ziploc bag. That's just tacky. Um, and so you want it in something nice, a little, nice little box. Mm-hmm. And you say, now, Grandmother, I've put you in a place of honor, and you will always be honored and respected on this land. And I've nailed down the land, and I want you to protect this land so that everyone knows that I am the one who's going to be restoring your house, and it will be me who this land ends up belonging to. And so that's a way to work with your ancestors to get them to help you keep your land. Their graveyard dirt is usually what is used that way. And so um, I'm going to call in uh, J.D. and Angela. Do you have anything to add to this? Thanks, Ms. Cat. I don't have anything to add to what you did because it was phenomenal. But while I was listening to her story, I kept thinking about the awesome spiritual product that Lucky Mojo carries called Pay Me. And mm. in a situation how the family has not paid her for what she has done, 
And there's a phenomenal spell that's on luckymojo.com forward slash pay me where you use a uh, green devil candle and you um, really force them to pay you what is owed. So I mm-hmm. think that's something you could really look into and it would be a phenomenal working to help you really get what is owed to you as well. While you also work with your mother, your ancestor to really keep that house and keep that going. That's a really good idea. Pay me is a product to get people to make good on a promise. And um, there's a green devil version of it. You can use it with any kind of um, devil image. I mean, you don't need to have a green devil candle. You could just have a drawing of a devil and a little white candle. It would work the same way. But the idea is to say, you know, I'm going to send the devil after you if you don't pay up. So, Angela, Mm -hmm. do you have anything to add to this one? No, I think that... um that's a pretty good that's a that's a very good uh spell idea there also what I would add to it though is if you don't already have an ancestor altar, I would definitely set one up and that's okay. you know that's another way to bring her back home, bring her into the home and it, yeah, yeah well, that's I what I would go, say to I take her to go there to, and- I need mm-hmm. to go there and dust and clean inside. I've just been able to really, really like clean up outside because I've been constantly working to pay the bills. And it's mm-hmm. it's right. crazy what these people have done. Like really, yeah, it's crazy. yeah. It well, no we got it. We we both talked about both Angela and I talked about an ancestor altar, and I said get some of her graveyard dirt, put it in a little mm-hmm. container, get her photo, mm-hmm. get a photo of her in front of the house. Um, that is an ancestor altar. But if there were other ancestors who lived in the house or were helpful, get their pictures too. And another way to work would be to get an old, old picture of the house. Um, and, you know, if the mm. family has lived there for a longer time than just your mother, then you want to have anyone in your family who lived in that house their picture in front of that house i've done some amazing work with pictures of houses that i got off google street view and you know you wouldn't think it would be a lot but google street view will make good pictures of old houses all right well good luck to you and let us know how things work out and uh here comes our crazy music <laughs> mc You're listening to the LMC Radio Network, broadcasting out of Forestville, California, on the World Wide Web at LuckyMojo.com. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rework Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman, Sundays, 3 to 4.30, Mystics, Mages, and Magical Places with Reverend Art and Reverend James. Mondays, 4 to 5.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain. In syndication, Tuesdays. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Deborah Voigt. Tuesdays, 4 to 5. And The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay. In syndication, Thursdays. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. 
Hello. So uh, my free spell is basically to, well, is to uh, hand over a book of shadows to your upcoming little witch or however you want to say it or pass on your little traditions to the little ones. Um, Little ones in this case is about 13 or so. Um, One of the things that I can say about a book of shadows is for me, you know, in what, in my study, a book of shadows is a book of spells. It's uh, your thoughts and feelings. It's a dream journal that you keep these things in. And, you know, you can give them little traditions once a year as a as a birthday present or a Christmas present to write down in their book to help keep your little magical traditions going. Um, it's, it's witchcraft uh, that I have learned has the Book of Shadows. Um, your Book of Shadows is not your spell book. It's not your grimoire. But you can have spells in it. And the Book of Shadows is more personal than a grimoire, in my opinion, because it is, it does have your dreams and things in it. So what I have is we're going to have you pick a journal, preferably uh, lined. Uh, I've, seen, I've only seen it once, but there was a journal where one page was a sketch page and the other page was a lined page. That was the coolest little journal I've ever seen. Make one by hand. It would make it more special. So you would smoke the journal, as in you'll burn some herbs and pass the journal through the smoke, either page by page or front, back, and middle. But you're going to smoke it in jasmine, agrimony, and acacia. Jasmine for the magical power to kind of bring it in, agrimony to keep it protected so no one can cast spells against it, and acacia to bring in the ancestors because you definitely want your ancestors to speak to your little one in their dreams to help protect them and, you know, to help teach them right from wrong. You know, you're going to also need to teach your your, uh, little one ethics, but that's not, you know, that's a different part of this. So you're going to smoke it in that, and you're going to say, protect this book of shadows and its owner, you know, the child's name, uh, as they move forward along the path of magic. Ancestors guide their hand so that their work is justified, honorable, and timely. Uh, Justified so that when they're doing their work, it's like, I'm so mad at Billy Bob, I'm going to... Well, that's not necessarily justified. So if the work is justified, the ancestors will pull them back and go, okay, think about this. Do you really want to do this? And it helps to justify the work. Honorable comes down to ethics, something you're going to need to teach them, and hopefully they can, they'll have a good moral compass to know what ethics are, like you know, oh, my boyfriend got some girl pregnant. I'm going to go kill a fetus and da da da. That's not honorable. That's not ethical. And the ancestors will help reign them and go, hey, 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 hey. You don't want to do that. And timely. So you want to keep on a time schedule with the moon. You want to keep a time schedule with a clock. Um, you want to go along. The, the movements of the planet, you know, keeping that, make, reminding them to do their research. 
and timely can mean other things as well. But that kind of help, but that would help out too. Now, I would gift that my new granddaughter, little bitty cutie pie that she is, I would do this when she turns 13. I would give it to her on her 13th birthday. Um, and that's just one of the many traditional ages that I've read because she's a girl. So that means, you know, you're no longer a child. You're moving into the maiden section of maiden mother crone. So you're in the maiden section. So now I'm going to gift you this book of shadows. Um, while they're in the child phase, you definitely want to teach them magic. You definitely want to teach them the importance of magic and traditions. And you don't have to sit down and lecture them. You can just do it. Like the red egg on Easter. Like the birthday cake. I can't think of a lot of other traditions right now, but I'm sure there's a billion of them that people are screaming out in chat. (laughs) And there are different ages. Now, this is just the age of the traditions that I have picked up on and decided that I wanted to do. And on my dad's side of the family, not my mom's side of the family, 13 is is traditional, you're officially a maiden because most of the girls in on that side of the family started their period at around 13. I was a lot younger when I started mine, and I think my mother was too, but two of my aunties were not, and the auntie I learned the 13-year-old tradition from was 13. So, And she got it from her grandmother, who was actually into the magic and such. I keep hearing this cat. <laughs> oh, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just um, following along in the, you know, the preaching. <laughs> following along in the preaching. Yes, we're preaching to the choir here because most well, of us do these no, things. No, I think, I think there's going to, there are always people who listen to the show who've never heard the show or any show like it before. So we're not mm-hmm. just preaching to the choir. But I like that age of 13 is a good age and uh, give that. Um, book and of course you could give it to a boy too. You don't. This, these books aren't Definitely. only for girls, but but right. it's a tradition to give your your dreams and wishes and witchcraft to a girl child if you're a woman. That's pretty yeah. common. Um, there's our yeah, music. And the, and, yep, there's our music for the women. It's uh, it's maiden mother crone, but for the men, it's son father sage. There you go. <laughs> All right. All righty. Well, thank you, Angela. That was a really nice thing. I, I love the idea of writing down what you think and what you've dreamed and, yeah, put, putting spells in it, too. But it's not a grimoire. It's a book of shadows. All right. We're going to turn this over to Reverend James, and he's going to give us our announcements, and then we're all going to be able to come back and have a few words and say goodbye. Take it away, Reverend James.
Thank you, Reverend James, and a big shout-out to your partner, Reverend Art. And I want to thank everybody who's been in the chat through this rather torturous session we had today. Those of you who stuck with us while we got bounced in and out of um, Blog Talk Radio, thank you for your patience. And, um, well, I can't say that I have anything planned to do right now other than to go lie down nurse my fever, and get over whatever I've got, which is the after effects of the shingles vaccine. So I'll be back next week, hoping I'm feeling better. Hi, Tony I. I just saw you in the chat. All right, guys. Well, if anybody has anything else to say, I hope they say it. We'll find out later if this show was actually archived or not. Indeed. Indeed. All right. Good night, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.